the governors uh, got together and said, look, let, let's play for a hog. Let's play for a pig. Ben and Eric gather at their laptops. One's a gopher, one's a hawkeye. Two feeble minds, their plot discussion. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the pot of Rosedale, the bronze pig full of hot takes. Eric. It all here. comes down to this, man. One last college football Saturday before championship weekends. And it's a wild and one. It, yeah. Oh, there's a lot happening here. We got a, we got a lot to unpack. But first, I want to give credit to both of us. We were spot on. I hope people out there took our betting advice. They could have really made a lot of money if they had either bet on the Gophers or bet on Illinois to cover. There was a lot of cash to be made. Yeah, that was a dicey game for you for your Hawkeyes. Ooh. That was almost exactly the game Sweat I expected. It. it was gross. It was like, okay, then they, they eked out. They got a field goal to make it 10 points. It's like, oh, this is almost exactly what I thought. Like, hey, it's 10 points. Maybe Brandon Peters scores a last-second touchdown to make it look better. But oh, just, just, just gross. I mean, Iowa's offense is just a hot mess. So there's just no way around it. They're terrible. They are one of the worst in college football. This might be one of the worst offenses – Kirk has ever fielded, but still somehow they're nine and two. It's it's staggering when you look at just how bad. Iowa completed one half one one pass rather in the second half. One completed pass yeah. in the entire half. Ugh. That's yeah. how bad it was. Just nothing going. You nothing gotta get going. your defense to score, right? That's all you need. Well that and that awesome awesome kickoff return, Charlie Jones yeah. trying to do it all. I mean, hundred yards, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's reckless in in the best way. He's great. Uh, without him, who knows if he doesn't return that kickoff, the game feels very very different. But it was also shocking just how much they just Brandon Peters threw the ball a ton that game. I mean, he was it was bizarre. They're just like screw running the ball. We're just gonna throw it a bunch of times. Is that because Bielema wasn't there? They just let it loose. No, I feel like there. they just felt like, hey, let's we got there's some hay to be made in their secondary. They got some injuries and. They're not going to expect it, and Iowa did in that first drive. You know, they just scored really easy. Peters was like seven for eight, 68 yards. Very, very easy that first drive, but then after that, they adjusted, and then Illinois couldn't do a whole lot. They made a couple of plays, but Iowa's defense shut it down at that point. But look, but then how about your Gophers? It was almost exactly the game you'd expect. Just run it down the Hoosiers' throats. Yeah, I, you know, I thought Tanner Morgan played pretty well. Uh, maybe one of his best games this season, and oh. yeah, just just constantly just running the ball. I mean, it, when you got that big offensive line and running people over, um, but after the first quarter, they were down seven nothing. I was worried because it was weird because like the Iowa game was at one, right? So that you know we tried to watch that and then switch over to the Gopher game on like DVR, but then you see the score pop up or you see things online, so it's a little tricky to not kind of see where the game is. But, um, you know, turn it over to the Gopher game, and then second quarter they scored three three touchdowns, and it was – you could pretty much tell it was over by then. Oh, yeah. It was just like, yeah, you know, I, I get the feeling. Like, you, you get down and it feels terrible because you're – Yeah. Well, I guess Tanner Morgan. Yeah, you're, you're right. Relying on him to come back from, you know, a deficit is just terrifying. Oh, Yeah. I mean, I feel that way. I mean, I feel that way about Padilla, although I like Padilla, and I think he's probably a better quarterback than Tanner Morgan, but Iowa's offense is just so putrid that it doesn't matter. Um, 
but no, it's I know that exact feeling. You're just like, oh gosh, one score feels insurmountable, but the Gophers at least can run the football. Iowa kind of did. It was, a, it was very boomer bust, but it was the best running game probably the entire season, so good for the Hawkeyes. But that was a backdoor cover by Illinois. Gophers covered their spread super easily against this god-awful Indiana team. I mean, this Indiana team. Let's talk about being wrong. This team was yeah. they were ranked in the top 20 to start the season, and they are I know. Just, I remember our first episode when we were talking about Phoenix and their tight end and um, – you know how, how good this team is going to be and scary because they were ranked ahead of Iowa, weren't they, to start the season? It was close. If it's they like were, next, it was like one spot. Yeah, right, they were right, like right, right next to each other. Uh, but yeah, it's wow, what a, a collapse they've had. Yeah, no, just nothing going there. So Did yeah, you, we're we're kind of you know whatever. Both games they won, good for them. But the okay. like we said, it, it's coming down to this final weekend. So many different scenarios to kind of break down in terms of how, you know, how the teams can tie and who gets the tiebreaker and, um, you know, who wins and whatnot. So it's, it's a pretty exciting weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's a little weird because Iowa and Nebraska, they have that Friday game after Thanksgiving. A lot will be settled there, obviously. Um, but it could still be open all the way into the Gopher game. And then the Purdue game also matters quite a bit too. So. Super interesting stuff going into the last. Yeah, let's let's talk scenarios before we get to the games themselves. So we'll start at the the obvious one. So it's it's Friday. Iowa travels to Lincoln, beats the Cornhuskers. At that point, it really comes down from Iowa's perspective. They just it's just Gophers need to win. That's the only scenario where Iowa gets into the the Big Ten championship game to get smoked by Ohio State. That's it. Gophers need to win. Any other scenario doesn't work for Iowa. Um. You know, Wisconsin wins there. It just well, right. That's the only game that matters. So, so if because Wisconsin would have one more Big Ten loss, right? That would be the reason. Yeah, they'd go down. Well, so yes, Iowa has two Big Ten losses now, and if they beat Nebraska, that's that'll be the final number. And if Wisconsin loses, that'll, that'll be their third loss. Everybody so else I, I would be the Iowa. only team with the two losses. Correct. The, the tiebreakers don't work for Iowa at all because of the losses to Purdue and Wisconsin. Right. Um, and it won't matter. So is that if Iowa wins, Wisconsin loses, it's irrelevant. If Wisconsin and Iowa have the same record, Wisconsin won the head to head, you know, that's the only game that will matter. But let's, but let's assume, let's imagine, uh, the horror of Iowa losing to a backup quarterback, as we found out today, a backup quarterback in Lincoln on Friday. Well, that opens the door to a couple, well, three different scenarios, uh, at that point. So there's still technically four teams. Well, actually, I don't know about Purdue, but there are at least three teams that still have a shot at winning the Big Ten West. So if Iowa loses, that opens the door just ever so slightly for your Gophers. Gophers only need to beat Wisconsin and have Purdue beat this terrible Indiana team that we're talking about. If that happens, it's actually the Gophers going to right, the Big Ten. Right, because it's weird because if it's a three-way tie – the Gophers don't win. They lose the tiebreaker. But if it has to be a four-way tie for them to beat the tiebreaker because then they would have a better record against common opponents, right? Isn't that how it breaks down? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't even hardly understand it, yep. but it was something like, um, yeah. Yeah, because cause if, like you're saying, so um, all the teams then would be six and three, right? The four right. teams, Purdue, and Minnesota, Iowa. 
Yeah, Purdue and Wisconsin, so they get outed immediately. And I think Purdue gets outed also because Purdue will have lost to Minnesota and Wisconsin. So in that they'd so be one and two, yeah, one and two against all the common opponents. Right, and Minnesota at that point would leave head to head with Wisconsin. With Wisconsin, and yep. then they would have just won and won the tie. That's how it works. Um, but then if Purdue loses that and, and it's a three-way tie. Then Wisconsin gets it, I think. Oh, because they have the better divisional record. That's what right. it is. Wisconsin's two losses, aside from Minnesota in that scenario, would have been to Michigan and Penn State. And Iowa's would have been to Purdue. No, because the first, the first tiebreaker is record amongst the tie group. So, because you wouldn't do head-to-head. Right? They'd You're all right. be one and one. They'd, They'd all, all be, be one, one and one. one. That wouldn't work, right? So you, you get to the division record, right? So only the Big Ten West games matter for that tiebreaker. And since in that scenario, Wisconsin would have been five and one, I think, and Minnesota and I would have been both four and two. Wisconsin comes out ahead. That's how that works, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So it's wild though that yeah. So the Gophers absolutely need Purdue to win to have a chance. I mean, first they need Nebraska to win. So Gopher fans are going to be cheering against the Hawkeyes this weekend. Yeah, that's true. From your so, rational self-interest, you should want uh, Scott Frost to pick up a. I mean, a- Program-defining win to go if, four and eight. If, if I'm just being honest, it's I would rather Iowa go than Wisconsin by like a, a long yard mile. I guess I, I would much rather Iowa be the Big Ten West champions than Wisconsin. So I mean, it's yeah, the chance of even if Iowa loses that the Gophers would somehow beat Wisconsin seems a little. Oh, I don't but know. But you're hoping for Heart. the same thing. We we both want the Gophers to win from the Iowa and Gophers yeah. perspective. We both sure. want the Gophers to win. And if you don't want Wisconsin to go... Well, if Iowa wins on Friday, it doesn't matter. But yes, as we sit here right now, yes, you're... But either way, you still want... You have to beat Wisconsin for Wisconsin to not be the Big Ten West champs. So you still have to be rooting for that outcome. And since you have to have that happen anyway to avoid what you don't want Wisconsin winning... Well, I'm always going to root for the Gophers to beat Wisconsin. That's, I mean, I don't need like a championship on the line for that. Why not root for Nebraska to win so that in that scenario you have a very... Because if Iowa loses and Minnesota wins, the, the the odds of Purdue losing to this, I mean, utterly wretched Indiana team. I mean, I look at their line, it's like a 14-point line. I'm like, man, I, I kind of want to take Purdue. Indiana has just been crushed by everybody. Indiana hasn't even been, like, in a close game at all at any point this season. They're terrible. They're really awful. Yeah. Um, there's the odds of Purdue losing straight up to Indiana seems shocking. Wouldn't that be crazy that Wisconsin – Loses to the Gophers, and then Purdue loses, and Wisconsin's then the Big Ten West champs. Wouldn't that just be awful? The eight and four Wisconsin Badgers go. Yeah, that would, that would be great. Well, after but, losing to the to the freaking Gophers, that they then become the Big Ten champs. That would just be terrible. I really hope that that's like doomsday scenario for me. Well, that's fine. I mean, either way, I will be rooting for the Gophers. Um, like you, I don't. I mean, I'm just sick of Wisconsin being in the Big Ten West title game. Uh, it's dull. They will get crushed by Ohio State, but everybody will get crushed by Ohio State. Oh, I mean, it God, doesn't yes. All, of, all we're doing is fighting for the right to go lose by three touchdowns at a minimum to Ohio State. Like, that's all that's happening. But I don't care. I mean, I still want Iowa to go there and, 56 and hope. 56-7, to seven, they beat Michigan State. Number seven ranked Michigan State. They beat 56-7. to seven. It was 49 to nothing at the half, wasn't it? Yeah. I had, like, yes. And they, they just... They, 
took off their quarterback. He had already tied the school record for touchdowns in like the third quarter. Yeah, they 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 absolutely like it was all breaks in the that they just like called off the dogs just to start the second half like it was a, a scrub Mac team or something. But, hey, was- your Gophers, your Gophers were toe to toe. They were leading against that Ohio State team at halftime until their star running back got hurt. Do you think Ohio State's gotten better, worse, or the same <laughs> since the first week of the season? Oh, who could say? Nebraska hung with them. Nebraska, Nebraska did. Was. Nebraska is is a, a very. I know you hate advanced stats, Eric. They're a, an excellent team. They might oh. literally be the best three and eight team in the history of college football. Wow. I mean, That's look at the line before. Adrian Martinez came did, out. When did he get hurt? Like He got hurt during the Wisconsin game, and he stuck it out. I don't know what point. I, oh, I, he finished the game. Okay. Yeah, he finished the game. I couldn't literally watch the game. I was, I, I mean, I, like, I just physically couldn't do it, but I was looking at the score updates to try to hope that somehow Nebraska wouldn't shit the bed. Because they were tied going into the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, it, it kept, like, they just couldn't get a stop. That Like, yeah. Wisconsin kept scoring a touchdown, and Nebraska kept responding. And they had the ball, and they were driving, and yeah, there was the the probable pass interference on the at the end of the game uh, that happened. But I couldn't watch any of it. But yeah, he he played the whole game, but uh, it wasn't announced until today. But the opening line, Eric, Nebraska was favored by like three and a half points before. Really? They did. Yes. Wow. I, I know you don't like advanced stats, but Vegas clearly does. They they understood that this Nebraska team on paper is probably more talented. Than Iowa, not by a lot, but but one in seven in the Big Ten Conference, Nebraska. Yeah, all those losses like by a touchdown. Every single one of those, I think, is a one-score loss. Their only, their worst outing was against your Gophers. That was the most. Was, uh, yeah, seven points. I mean, it was, wasn't. They didn't blow them out. No, no, but the Gophers made it was like a two-score game until they scored a touchdown at the last second yeah. to make plus. But that was like the most outplayed Nebraska was probably all year. Um, you know, they, they they scored, they got it like 400 and some yards on Wisconsin, which is the most Wisconsin had in a couple of years. Iowa would never be able to put up that many yards against against Wisconsin. Well, they didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, they... And, well, never. They haven't. I don't think Iowa's put up 400 yards against Wisconsin in a decade and a half, maybe. Maybe sometime in the aughts. Maybe 2002. I don't even know. Just, Iowa's never been able to do that. Um, and their defense wasn't good, and their special teams and their special teams is awful. Like worst in college football, awful. So that that'll be a big thing to watch. But no, Nebraska's talented. Uh, I, I was somewhat. I was pretty worried about it with Adrian Martinez. I'm, I'm less worried about it with a backup quarterback. But if he just didn't turn the ball over, I feel like Nebraska would probably win. Uh, he just throws a lot of interceptions. But I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, it was. I was. I was shocked. It was like yeah, th- three or four points. It was like I. I thought it might be like a pick'em or one point. I was like, oh man, okay. Now we're going the other direction. Well, was, yeah. I mean, on the road, I suppose it's basically a pick them. They give a few points to the home team. Right, right. But I guess I would have thought maybe Iowa has a slight edge in a neutral field, so the line wouldn't have been that yeah. high. It was like, Especially the a 3-8 and eight team, I mean, you would think just looking at the records that that's you would not expect the 3-18 and 18 to be favored against the 9-2 and two team. No, but these line, and the lines have been so egregiously in favor of Iowa the last – Several weeks, it's been a, a shock to me, and then it's like, oh, swinging the complete other direction. But no, the lines. Yeah, I mean, am I seeing this right that uh, Nebraska leads the Big Ten West in points? Uh, probably. I mean, yeah. they, they. I think they have oh, the best. 
it'd be them or Purdue. They're the ones that would have the most explosive offenses. Yeah. Um, by far. I mean, they've got Martinez can can run the ball. I, they, they he can scramble. He can get loose. They have playmakers. They just make too many dumb mistakes and they can't run the ball very well. And their special teams is terrible. I mean, they've actually only been. I think they've outscored Big Ten. If you look at the standings, I don't know if you've got it pulled up, but I think. I don't know if it's Nebraska's got no wins or they got one win and they've either outscored or been outscored by seven points total, like their point differential. Yeah. I mean, yep. Yep. It's That's crazy. The, Whereas Northwestern's same record has been outscored by like, I don't know, 150 points or something like right, that. Right. Yeah. Right. Nebraska has what you'd expect the point differential of like a, you know, a seven and four team. Um, you know, or eight and three or something, you know, anyway. So, I mean, there's a lot to be worried. I was not going to be able to, I can't move the ball against anybody. So, and Nebraska has a legitimately good defense, not like elite, not like Wisconsin good, but they're a good defense. Since, since it's just my conspiracy theory, is uh, Peters healthy? Like what's his, is he rehabbing? Is he coming back in? We're where, where we constantly worried about that. Uh, I mean, I think Kirk said last week before the game that, or was good, that he could have played, and they weren't sure which quarterback they were doing the whole, we don't know who's going to start. It yeah. could be anybody. That's because Peters isn't hurt. It's bullshit. It's coach bullshit, 100%. Well, that's fine. I don't care. It can be bullshit. He shouldn't start. Uh, Padilla, despite his absolutely terrible, like, six for yeah, whatever it was, stat line, he was absolutely dodging dudes in the backfield, made plays Peters never could make, and he had about, like, five, five six drops. Nobody just could make any plays. Well, Nobody. The Illinois open. linebacker, uh, he was like number seven or something like that. Uh, gay, uh, Isaiah Gay. Uh, that guy was everywhere uh, against yeah. the Hawkeyes. Sure. In the but, backfield, tackles for loss, sacks. He was just all over the place. Uh, well, yeah, people in the backfield all the time against Iowa's offensive line anyway. I mean, they're bad. I mean – Padilla was sacked, I think, technically twice. It could have been a lot more if he weren't so both one elusive and able to move, you know, within the pocket, and also two, he gets rid of the ball really quick. He's again just knows where to go with it. It was, it was plays to be made, but it was just like I think if Petrus had been back there, I mean, it would have been several sacks. And I don't know. I, I'd say this: Padilla made several plays that Petrus couldn't make, and I don't know that Padilla. Missed any plays that Peters could make. I'd put it that way. That's how I would phrase it. Because I, I don't know. I, I certainly don't think Peters would have done any better. They probably would have been worse. And then, so does Padilla start? We just don't know yet. I he should. I I, I assume at this point they're going to give up the stupid. We don't know. <laughs> Who are you going to prepare for? I mean, it's. Still are you doing Ferentz there? Is that? So like Ferentz is Willy Wonka? Like what's going on there? I just the the pretending like they don't know. Brian Ferentz said like we're gonna do that. Who's gonna score? Who's gonna play? They don't know. We get to kind of keep it close to the vest. He didn't use that voice. Yeah, because how would you game plan differently for Petrus or Padilla? I can't imagine you looking in the film room like oh we gotta change things up now that you know Padilla's out there. The only thing you change up is that the quarterback is slightly mobile twelve times instead of. Ten. You might think, oh, we might we might want to consider maybe having a spy at some point. I, but even then, no, I, I think you're right. I don't think you really really changes much. 
but it's just painfully obvious that with how bad Iowa's offensive line is, you, you can't have Petrus back there. His pocket presence is so terrible. And he's like, he's doing that seeing ghosts. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it needs to be Padilla. However bad Iowa's offense is, it's still going to be bad with Padilla. It'll be worse with Petrus. I, I just don't know how they can go back to having Petrus start ever. I don't either, but it sounds like maybe I, they might. I, I just, it's tough because we've seen this happen before. I mean, Ferentz, that, that Petrus didn't start last week against a quote-unquote bad team in Illinois suggests to me that, yeah, it's not going to happen. But we, we all saw what happened in 2008 when um, it was just so much obvious that Ricky Stancy was better. The Jay Christian Sabato did this thing where, like, Christensen came out for one game or half a game, Stancy played, and then they did a two-quarterback kind of series, and Christensen finished it off and was terrible. And he just, he just can't do it. But I think at this point, he's kind of Kirk, the elder of Ferris's accepted reality. Like, all right, Padilla's, Padilla's better. But the receivers need to freaking catch some ball. They need to, they need to give him a break. Because he throw to Keegan Johnson in the end zone. It was a tough play, but it hit Keegan Johnson in the hand. Uh, Tyler Johnson was wide open, or um, Tyler Goodson, rather, was wide open in the middle of the field. I mean, the blitz absolutely was going to get home for Illinois, but Padilla flung the ball at the middle field, and it was it was high and hot, but it was catchable, and if Goodson had it, he might have scored a touchdown from like 30 yards out because he had tons of space to work with. Uh, I mean, Regani had his typical drop or two of the game. Shea had a drop. I mean, it was, it was bad. And nobody's like, and that's the thing about Iowa's office. Nobody ever seems to be wide open. Like, sure. I, I just never see any of the receivers like, oh, here's a dude who's just wide open. Well, you got like, the slowest skilled position players like out there, you know, for the most part. Yeah, it's it's tough. But I other than that, like so Charlie Jones is that's his name, the guy that returned the kick. That guy has some jets. Why don't they oh, he's involve fast. him more in the offense? I don't understand. Well, I don't know that he's a great route runner, Eric. I know sometimes you think it's all about speed, but I don't know how good of a route runner he is. And, but even then, it's also just Iowa probably has a really stupid route tree of like three or four concepts that everybody knows about and can stop. Like, oh, there's these four routes, and we just know what they're going to run every time. I mean, that's entirely possible. But it's dumb. They didn't run any screens. I don't know why Iowa can't run screens. Yeah. Like, not once. They didn't even try once, and it's so frustrating you would really think Tyler Goodson could kill it in the screen game. Right. But you, I don't should, know you, you should almost throw to him as much as you hand it off. I, that's the way I would treat I'd treat him like a pseudo wide receiver, kind of. Like, kind of, he could. Because, yeah, he's really explosive once he gets a little bit of space. He had a good game, though, right? I mean, he had well, it feels like, yeah, he either, yeah, it feels like he either ran for 10 plus yards or negative two. That's what it kind of feels like with him. Like, if he gets any kind of space at all, he's downfield and really, really make an explosive play or he's getting hit in the backfield. And there's some debate about how, how much it's his fault for being too patient and not attacking and Iowa's zone running scheme is, is part of the problem, but he's also hesitates a lot and that creates more opportunities for defenders to get into the backfield. Cause one play Goodson's literally standing there waiting for something to open up on the right side and literally the backside contained just came all the way over and tackled him before he could get to the line of scrimmage. Like, Oh, yeah, you probably shouldn't have a running game where the backside contained can get to your running back. Like the play's going away from that defensive end, but somehow it gets there. Yeah, he's kind of a patient runner. You know, you'll see him sometimes like sort of hide behind the the line and then look for an opening. Uh, sometimes that works, but you know, if, no, if no opening appears, then you're gonna lose yards. But yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, it's just tough, this offense. I mean, but, they, yeah, the, Illinois' rush defense is good. They, they, I mean, they shut down the Gophers pretty much when they played. So, they, like I said, they had that one linebacker who was everywhere. They have a good rush defense, and your team put up some fair amount of yards. So They didn't, uh, though. They had, like, 250 yards or something, Eric. Rushing, um, I meant. Rushing. Oh, rushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was the I mean, best yeah, rushing year of the year. Padilla threw for under 100 yards. They, they, they like almost entire yards in yeah. yeah, although, yeah. I'm, say, I mean, I'm saying their rushing output was maybe their best of the season. I, we can go back. It was. No, that, I agree with that. It was their best of the season. It was good. Bitson was good. And, and it's actually bolstered. It could be better because that stupid punt that, you know, Tory Taylor was too low and he didn't feel that he wasn't ready for it, that counted as a negative 29-yard rush. Oh, yeah. So you take that away and the numbers get better. Um just from a bookkeeping standpoint, but anyway. But, okay, so Friday, 12.30, Iowa travels to Lincoln for the backup quarterback. It gives me some hope, Eric. What do you think? Yeah, I, I can't believe Nebraska's favored, I guess. Well, they're not anymore. Yeah, they're not anymore. The line's changed now that the backup quarterback's in. Oh, uh, Okay. So I think it's Iowa by like one now. It's one because yeah. they they froze. The yeah, you know, I think another ugly game. Um, you know, Pidia throws for eighty yards, maybe no no turnovers, and you just hope the defense can get a score and field goals. It's just gonna be one of those ugly kind of black and blue kind of games. Those are the only um, games Iowa plays in. No, so I know, I know. It, it's not. I'm not going on a limb here. Um, I think the Hawkeyes win. Unfortunately for all our Gopher fans out there, I think they do win and eliminate the Gophers. So Saturday doesn't really matter for them. But uh, all it matters for PJ. I mean, getting that axe for the second time. Right. I mean, I like I said, always going to root root for them to to beat the Badgers for sure. Um, and he has, you know, PJ has beaten him before, but. Uh, so what's the you, – you said something earlier uh, about the coach situation with Nebraska. Well, no, I, I – so I don't want to spoil my movie pick. It, it'll make sense when I tell you. But okay, all right. So Nebraska is by far my most hated Big Ten team, the most irrationally hating Big Ten team. And it's one thing to hate Ohio State because they're good all the time. Ohio State just has the best players, and it, it makes sense. It's rational to be like, ah, screw those guys. They always win. Nebraska is a team that – for me, I, I despise. And, you know, I was in Iowa in the 90s when they were at the height of their power, and they were definitely Central Iowa Cornhusker fans. Did and Iowa always play Nebraska? No, they hardly played. I mean, okay, Nebraska right. Yeah, the, I was going to say, I, I don't think Minnesota ever played. I, don't, I mean, until they were in the Big Ten, I don't think they ever played Nebraska. Uh, yeah, it was rare. I mean, uh, one of Hayden Fry's early win, early great first wins was beating Nebraska in like 1981 or something, um, and that was a big. Hey, Do they have uh, a trophy? Do, does Iowa Nebraska? Play yeah, for? it's the Heroes Trophy. It's stupid. It's oh, dumb. Okay. It's a dumb trophy. It's just horribly awful. Uh, I mean, I, I want to beat Nebraska, and I'd love there to be a cool trophy involved, but there's not a cool trophy. I just, it's just. What is it? I don't know. It? I, I don't remember what it looks like. Is it like a plaque or something, or. No, it's a trophy. Like a big hero-looking guy on it. That's not what. There's nobody on it. It's just like a bland obelisk. Why are, why are they heroes? I don't. I'm confused. It's, it's a, probably some corporate sponsor. I don't know. I don't care. Okay. Uh, we and love. And that Kwan. started when Nebraska joined the Big Ten. Um. Oh yeah. So it's like a, a brown base with just like a football on top of it. 
It's the High V Heroes game. Yeah, oh, it's the High V Heroes game. Jesus Have you heard of High V, Eric? I I I went to High V today actually. Uh, well, it's because like, they're moving like north. Yeah, I know they're taking over, man. Pushing out your inferior northern grocery Cub, stores. Cub Foods, they're going away, man. That's oh. actually uh, PJ has the Cub Food thing on his his um, headset. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I did. Yes, yeah. see that. I used to used to go to Cub Foods all the time. Now I live like five minutes from a high V. So yes, I was also at a high V today. High V's great. Picking up a turkey for Thanksgiving. Um, it is. But anyway, yes. So they sponsor it. I'm sure there's plenty of high V's in Nebraska as well. It's just, it's a totally bland, dumb trophy that, I mean. If, any, if anybody out there works for high V's listening, we'll take a high V sponsorship. If you want to well, sure. get on the spot of Rosedale. I mean, I mean, we gave you that, that plug for free high V, but feel yeah. free to re- reimburse us. Um, but, you know, Tom Osborne started coaching in, like, 73, and then he retired in 1997. And Nebraska, his his winning percentage is ludicrous. Overall, his winning percentage uh, was 83%. Tom Osborne won 83% wow. of his games, which is insane. Uh, and his last few years, they were uh, – it was even better. They were great. He retired in 1997 after winning a championship, went out at the height of his power. Tom Osborne's replacement was, and this is just, it's just this lovely hubris. It's just, it's so. Is it his kid? Did his kid take over? No. No, it's, it's, no, they, they, they correctly didn't hire his, his son or whatever. Uh, no, they, they hired a guy named Frank Zolich, who took over in 1998. Frank Zolich did pretty well in his five year span. He, they were 58-19, that's a 75% winning percentage. I mean, it's not 83%, but it's pretty pretty freaking good. And it's, uh, they won another national championship, quote-unquote, in 1999. Big 12 title, 1999. They won the Big 12 North, 99-2000-2001. Had, uh, you know, a pretty good, though not elite, 9-3 and three season. Uh, what do you think is responsible for this shift where, like, I mean, a team like Nebraska could never win a national title now. Like, it just seems that the fact that you say that, and this is, you know, t- more than 20 years ago, just seems like ancient history, right? The, the, and they, they did not pass the ball hardly at all, right? It was all this, like, triple option bullshit. Yeah, it was just a reg. I mean, it was, I don't, it was just the regular option. It wasn't triple option. It or whatever. Just, you know, it's the option play. On the end, yeah. You had the quarterback would run to the Well, right, and it's kind of like. Kind of now because Martinez is their leading rusher, uh, you know the quarterback. So it's not all that different, I guess. The structure of the uh, he throws the ball more than uh, yeah. It's a the, it's a spread option or it's a spread offense now. Yeah. Um, they just can't run the ball and they haven't done it super well. So it's was it just the improvement in like the South, like because you know when you in '99 like Alabama wasn't good then. Alabama wasn't like I think the Gophers beat them in a bowl game back in the early 2000s. Is it just the change in Southern football? Because like even Texas wasn't good until Vince Young came in there, and you know, you know they haven't been great for for a while now. But I guess Oklahoma, their your guy Stoops went there and turned that program around. It just seems so weird that a team like Nebraska was that dominant, had two t- national titles in the last 25 years. It's kind of bonkers to think about. Well, it is, and you're kind of saying my point for me, right? Like, I, you, you couldn't have said it 
from the mouth of a gopher fan. Uh, it was this crazy historical fluke. One, Tom Osborne was this like legendary, incredible coach, uh, of which there aren't very many of those available. Um, it's kind of like the paternal. You look at Penn State, if you think of like, oh, like, oh shit, they were like, they won a national title. You know, that, that seems crazy to think about now. But. Yeah, but it, they also were able to, there were different recruiting rule, rules then, so I, I don't remember exactly how it worked, but they could, I don't know if there were more scholarships available, um, and was able to just get a lot of guys to come in and work hard and, and was a national brand for a while. And they were legitimately excellent. And during that time, but like like it was in Nebraska was high school football bigger in the state of Nebraska then than it is now. I doubt it. it. And Nebraska's players are going. Are they going? You're right. That's that's what I mean. How are they? How are they able to win a national title? It's I can't. It just it's hurting my brain thinking about that. Well, it's a legendary coach who stayed there for 24 years. He found a really good system that worked. How long has Kirk Ferentz been there? Well, okay, there, fair point. This is what folks would say. Hey, when Tom Osborne was in his 22nd, 23rd, and 24th year, they were competing for national titles. Yeah, Kirk uh, and, doesn't sniff the national title. And no, he's not going to, and they, they can't even hardly get to the Big Ten title game. This is the closest they've gotten since 2015. So that's a, another point that, that Iowa fans will certainly latch on to that you just said. But, but again, were, looking at a big picture, what else are you going to try to expect? You're not going to get a better – Outcome from Iowa. I mean, the Gophers would love to be Iowa. That's what we've been talking about last season. Like, I, I would, I would be so happy if my Gopher program was Iowa. Well, so if the Gophers beat Wisconsin and go eight and four, they'll be pretty close to Iowa, basically. Yeah, um, but they're not gonna. I mean, just get real about it. They're not. Gonna you predict them going last week? Are you just all over the place? But you're. I love this because you're, you're, you're jumping on on my lead and saying a ton of things ahead of time that I'm trying to get to. Right. So Nebraska's coming off this high. Having this elite coach who helped them punch way above their weight class, win national titles, be a national power that just dominated teams and would lose, like, maybe two games a year for a good chunk of the 90s, right? So they hire this guy, Frank Zolich, who is legitimately really good. Again, they win 75% of their games with him. They win a national title with him, a Big 12 title in his second year, Two more Big 12 North titles. In 2003, they go nine and three. Eric, nine and three. Think about nine and three. And I think they ended up winning their bowl game too. This wasn't good enough. They fired him after going nine and three. Wow. And he had won a national title. Technically, yes, in 1999. Yep. So they shared it. They like shared it, right? It was one of the shared. It was all in the wonky time where there wasn't a quote unquote clear national championship. BCS bullshit. Yeah. It was before the BCS even. This is where, oh, like, okay. if you finished number one on the final AP poll, you were the national champion. And it was all just subjective because you'd play a bowl game and sometimes the best teams wouldn't play each other at all. Here's what the uh, AD fired uh, said, and this is 2003. Just think about everything you've been saying, Eric. This is what he said. This is the best Within job. Within the last 20 years. Yeah. This is 18 years ago. Yeah. This is the best job in the country, and anyone who doesn't want to win the national championship shouldn't bother applying for this job. I understand that we aren't going to win the championship every year, but I believe we are playing for or gaining on the championship on a consistent basis. I don't feel that currently we are playing for or gaining on the championship. 
And then here's what he says. Here's oh, this is this is this is the beauty of this. This is what he says. I refuse to let the program gravitate into mediocrity. This is what their AD says in 2003. We won't surrender the Big 12 to Oklahoma and Texas. You hear that? He's not going to surrender the Big 12 to Oklahoma and Texas. You hear that, Eric? He's not going to let the program gravitate into Spoiler mediocrity. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he did. He's not, he's not going to let. No, he said he, refu- he refused. Absolutely, he refused to let that happen. Well, so, like, the Arrested Development is, like, narrator. He, he did. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it's hilarious. So then they go to a guy called Bill Callahan, who has, uh, if my math is correct, four seasons. They win a Big 12 North title in 2006, his third year as coach. You know, they they obviously lost that game because they won an outright Big 12 championship. This time they're only 55%. They, he's 27 for 22. They won a little over 500 of their games, 550 winning percentage. But 15 and 17 in the Big 12, and they had some blowout losses there. They hadn't experienced in, like, decades, right? Like, it's been a long time since Nebraska out and out got just their ass kicked on the football field. And this happened in the middle lots. And he's not going to let them gravitate towards mediocrity. They are. Uh, this time it was it was Tom Osborne himself who was the uh, uh, 80, or he's the interim 80 at the time or something. So here's... Here's what Tom Osborne had to say about the days when he was the coach. We used to be a team people hated to play because they felt it for two or three weeks. That's what he said, right? Just already remembering the good old days. You have to play with intensity. These coaches try very hard to have that happen, yet sometimes you didn't see the effort and intensity you like to see in a football game. That's what Osborne said when they fired Bill Callahan in 2007. Coach with a 55% winning percentage. So then they hired this guy, Bo Pelini, who was interim head coach in 2003 as a defensive coordinator under Bill Callahan. He takes over, and Nebraska's back to being pretty good. His record in there, 67 and 27, 71% winning percentage overall. And How almost did the Gophers beat him? Was he, was he the coach like the first year or two when they were in the Big Ten? Correct. He was there yeah. for the transition from the Big 12 yeah. to the Big Ten. I think the Gophers they, beat him, yeah. Maybe one of his last games. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get to his last game. Yeah, we'll get to his last game. It's the one I, us Hawkeye fans remember for a couple of different reasons. Just to set the stage, Big Twelve North champions, 2008-2010. I think in 2011 that was when they started the Big Ten, or it could have been 2012. But I think it was 2011. They win the Big Ten, stoop the dumbly named Legends Division in 2012. They're consistently good. They just haven't. They don't win a, an outright Big Twelve title under them. They don't win a Big Ten title. They don't dominate. They seem to lose against the really elite teams, but they tend to just really crush the bad teams, and they're competitive for the most part. They did. They would get blown up by Wisconsin in the in games. That that would happen. Um, stuff like that, where they just have a, an oddball game that just stunk. But that's good. That's better than Ference, I think. Uh, certainly better than any coach, including PJ Fleck for the Gophers. They're consistently going to bowl games, and they're very good, but they're not quite elite. And their scheme happens in, in 2014. Uh, I think the game was in Lincoln. Uh, Hawkeye fans can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was in Lincoln. I was up 24 to 7. Nebraska ends up coming back, tying it, and winning in overtime. Now, Iowa fans are going to remember this game for a couple of reasons. One, this is the, the infamous that's football game. Right, Iowa fans were mad that Iowa blew a 17 point lead in the second half, which is annoying, right? That's a big lead. Uh, you should probably be able to hold on to a 17-point lead, and they didn't. And Ferentz's response to the frustration was to simply say, that's football. That was his 
observation, not annoyance, not anything. Just like, oh, it happens. Sometimes you lose. And this is where folks got pretty mad because Iowa was in a string of going like seven and and four, seven and five, not ever really really being competitive in the division. But then, despite the fact that I think Bopley was, I mean, they, Nebraska was like eight and four or nine and three, something like that that year, and it just came back from Iowa. He got fired. He was fired uh, after that game. And the 80 at the time notoriously said, "Well, uh, th- yes, that season, the 2014 season, the Gophers did also beat Nebraska on uh, right. I think the week before they lost to Iowa. It was two weeks. They cited that in, in this okay. article. But yep. what I just learned, and forgive me for not knowing this, uh, Minnesota Nebraska also play for a fucking trophy, and it, you could pull a million people, they would never guess what the name of this stupid trophy is. Is it the broken chair? Yes." Well, it's not just the broken chair. It's the $5 bits of broken chair trophy. That's what the hell it's called. Can you, you believe that? Own, you don't want to own that? I mean, this is this is just ludicrous. Uh, uh, honestly, this is absolutely crazy with these stupid trophies. I mean, it's insane. The bits of broken chair trophy. Holy hell. All right, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're Here. fine. So the, what, what did the AD say? What did the AD so, say? So here's what he said. Uh, after they fired Bopling after beating Iowa, going to a bowl game, and it had been consistently good. So he was asked, hey, did the win over Iowa make your decision to fire Bo Pelini more difficult? And his response to this question was, our kids showed great character and resiliency in a tough environment. So it did play a factor. But in the final analysis, I had to evaluate where Iowa was. And so this has been a perpetual insult from us in Hawkeye land as Iowa's just not good enough and beating them doesn't mean enough. What a fall from grace, though. I mean, is there another college football program that – has just collapsed that much in in the Florida state's Santa. up there. Florida state's abysmal. Um, they're completely. But they've had, they've had now they are and they've had ups and downs and you know Miami has also had ups and downs. I guess Texas too, if you really think about it, they they haven't been dominant since. No, they're in a historic like five game losing yeah. streak, which hasn't happened in Actually, like. Actually, just saw Colt McCoy was the starting quarterback on Sunday, and he he was a probably the last good Texas quarterback. Yeah, yeah I guess the Seahawks. Yeah, there are, there are some other programs that have had that, but just, uh, you know, from, you know, they must be, is this AD still there? I mean, this guy. I think he just got, I think he just. What, a, what an no, absolute clown. He just got clown. replaced by uh, Trev Albert. So there were different ones. There's a guy named Peterson who fired Zolich after he went nine and three. That guy's name was Peterson. Eucharist is the guy that fired Bo Pelini. And now, you think I have some. You think I have some dumb takes? Holy shit! These some of these. Well, uh, this is ADs. this is great, right? So then, Bo Bellini, who's playing at a, a, a slightly better than Ferentz level, slightly not much, but slightly better than Ferentz level, right? Winning a bit more consistently uh, than Ferentz is, but not much. I mean, not not certainly not Ohio State level or anything. And they fire that guy. Um, and and they did cite that like the loss to Minnesota. Apparently, it was a blowout loss or something in 2014, or a decisive Minnesota game. And I, I don't know how good Minnesota was in 2014, but uh, that was very distasteful in Huskerland. But so then they hire Mike Riley, who gets only three seasons. Uh, he's overall record is 19 and 19. Basically, he had one. His first year was really good, and then he had two really really shitty years. Um, and he gets fired uh, with a again 500 overall winning percentage, 46 percent winning percentage in Big Ten play for his three year tenure. Wasn't good enough. He sucks. He's terrible. And now they have Scott Frost. Who was the quarterback of 
the one 97. Of those I think yeah. the 97. I think Tom Osborne's final season. So 2018, for the last four years, right? Mike really got three. He only got three years, and he was too bad. What do you think, Scott Farras, overall winning percentage is? Let's even, we're going to include the cupcake games in here. What is his overall winning percentage? Well, it's below 500, obviously. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 15, he's, he, it's 30, he hasn't, hasn't won 35% of his games. They're 15 and 28. Uh-huh. 15 and 28. And he's had four seasons. Mighty have fallen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this but, is the program that wasn't going to slip into mediocrity. So are, is their fan base like finally accepting that that's where they're at now? Or what, what do you think? Did, did coming to the Big Ten change things? Is that why? Is that why they've fallen so far? Is they're finally in a, a decent conference? What like how do you explain that? Um, it can't I, just because they've changed coaches, is it? Do coaches matter that much? Uh, coaches matter. Um, I, it's, I, I, <laughs> there are all kinds of hypotheses for why Nebraska's gotten bad. Coaches are certainly one of it. It's that reality has changed. I mean, Nebraska's not a destination program, right? None of these coaches have had really much to hang their hat on. Like the, the, the goal of, right, we talked, give you a lot of shit for Minnesota not having won in Iowa City since 1999. Um, that was really the last time Nebraska was elite. So you think of all the kids that have, like, been born post-2000. Since, since Minnesota's beaten Iowa. Sure. <laughs> but in Nebraska, like, they, they don't know about any of these kids. This all happened before they were born. They come sure, to yeah. high school, graduate. They don't see Nebraska being special. If you're some 18-year-old in the South, what's your motivation for coming north? I mean, Nebraska, what's special about it? it, it there's just not that much there, and, and there have been a lot of bad coaches. And Scott Frost has been the worst of all of them since Tom Osborne. Uh, and they just keep getting worse and worse and worse. I and mean, they weren't happy with Bo Pelini, who's consistently good but not great. And, <clears throat> no, some of them don't accept it. I mean, they haven't accepted it. They, they fired Mike Riley after three seasons because they sucked and they went like four and eight that year. And then they kept going four and eight. But they, now they, they're like stuck with Scott Frost. Scott Frost was going to be the savior because he was the golden boy returning home, right? Super excited to have a Nebraska guy. Uh, and after that first year, Nebraska wasn't great. They didn't go to a bull game. But Scott Frost was such a punk. Uh, he's, he's, I will take PJ Fleck rah rah, uh, over Scott Frost uh, any day of the week, Eric. Well, that was the and three, culture. four, five times on Sunday. That was the PJ Fleck made the, the they were he and Frost were going back and forth about the culture wins out and kind of dogging on Nebraska's culture. So I don't think they like each other either. But well, this is what he this said. gives you the chance this week. You're rooting for your for the Gophers. This is what he said. First, well, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, they said they weren't going to have to adjust their style of the Big Ten. The Big Ten was going to have to adjust their style of Nebraska, which didn't happen. Um, this that is did what, not age well. <laughs> no, and so Nebraska came close to beating Iowa in his first year, 2018. And this is what Scott Frost had to say. He says, Warren Frickin, people better get us now. He's saying, this was in 2018, this is after his first year. Like, okay, yeah, they, they had a rough first year, but they're going to keep getting better. And you better get them now because they're going to turn into a powerhouse, man. They're going to be an unstoppable force. And they've been awful nope. in the three years since. People have gotten them whenever. Um, I, so no, there, there are plenty of people who, who are still stuck. Like, they're gonna be those old fogies, right? I, I've mentioned this before, they're increasingly gonna be those, like, gopher fans from the 60s. 
Yeah, you, it's like half of our fan base you, is in their 80s. You're going to think, oh, those are the weirdo guys who you saw the Gophers be good when they were in college 40, 50 years ago, right? It's like, oh, you were in college in the 90s and they were great. Cool, but they're nothing. What do I care? I don't care that they were good 30 years ago. This doesn't matter to me. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about, like, Michigan. You know, was Michigan – they were good in the late 90s, early 2000s. Have they been a dominant program in the last 20 years? Not really. No, they've been consistently – well, they've had – they've oscillated, and they've done – that's a simple – that's an interesting analogy, I would say. They've certainly had better – I mean, this difference is they have, like, a proven head coach who won in the NFL and, you know – but he, he, Harbaugh's got rubbed some people the wrong way too. Yeah, they, they had trouble replacing Lloyd Carr, who'd been there a long time for sure, and that was the last time they're consistent. But Jim Harbaugh's got them consistently pretty good. I mean, but this year, if and, they beat if they beat Ohio State on Saturday, they're the Big Ten East champs, right? Oh yeah, they absolutely so. are. Yep, um, it's a huge, huge game, and he hasn't been able to beat Ohio State. That's been the only knock. But on that game used to be the in the early. 2000s. That was the game of the season. Was Michigan Ohio State? It was whoever won that in the Big Ten almost every year. But they've had a number of uh, top ten, top fifteen, top twenty matchups. It's just that Ohio State's just been so much better, and so Michigan gets overshadowed. And Michigan's a different place than Nebraska. There are still a lot of people in the state of Michigan, and Michigan's still a consistently good brand. Um, But there, but there is something to that analogy. Uh, But. They've not, and they've not been as consistently terrible. And Nebraska hasn't gone to a bowl game right. in like five Nebraska's years. Nebraska's been awful. I mean, they, 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 and they, they have, they're not even mediocre. And Nebraska's fired their mediocre And the Gophers go to some crappy bowl games, you know. And Nebraska can't even do that. No, they, they haven't. It's, uh, well, it, it's, but it's anyway. Sorry, yes. I, yeah. I want well, to rag on Nebraska because I hate them. I love watching it. them get their comeuppance. I love watching them descend into irrelevancy. I love watching the, the, Fan base become increasingly old fogies who remember a time that's never coming back, who pine for the days of beating Oklahoma in the Southwestern Conference. I just I love it. I love watching it. So that, that that's the big line, and I just wanted to outlay, outline that for folks, just how absurd Nebraska is. So anyway, that was it. I wanted to give you some ideas, Eric, of what what I enjoy and why I love watching the, this hubris. Right, the success warped them, it created insane expectations that they're not going to be able to replicate, and they can't accept what they are. And watching this is wonderful. Anyway, that was my whole point. But anyway, let's get to let's get to your hatred of the Badgers. Let's transition. Well, you know, it's just it, it it's it's the state of Wisconsin. I just have a chip on my shoulder. Uh, you know, after not to get political, but the the Rittenhouse stuff and that was disappointing to me. And um, state of Wisconsin just seems to always. Always do things that frustrate me. And, yeah. you know, Vikings won. Vikings beat the Packers, which was very, made me very happy. But just, there's just a, it's a, it's a general rivalry that seems to always ring true, uh, with Wisconsin. And they're, they have a similar attitude, but they, the frustrating thing is they have, I guess, reason to be, um, you know, to sort of puff their chests out because they've, they've been the better program for so, so long. Um, I mean, the Gophers haven't had the axe. I mean, PJ has beat them once. He's one and three against them. So he's had one win, but overall, it's just, it's, it's sort of the same thing sort of with Iowa. It's just the, their big brother in the Big Ten. So, you know, I hope, hope they win this weekend. Who knows? Well, yeah, so, so 
Talk a bit about, so this is one of the things when I moved to Minnesota that it took me a while to learn. Just how intense, and it's not just, it's not just the sports programs. It's definitely the sports programs. It's not just the sports programs. There is a really intense dislike between the state of Minnesota and Wisconsin. I, can you elaborate on where that comes from? Is it just political? I mean, where, what, what is well, there's the a lot of are, transplants. I, True. I think that's that's for the first and foremost thing. There's a lot of people that live in Minnesota that are Wisconsin like born, you know, they they're from Wisconsin. And uh, the vast majority like my college roommates were all from Wisconsin. Like the vast majority of the folks that come here, they keep their allegiance to their home state. So you'll have a ton of people living in Minnesota that are Packer fans, that are Badger fans and proud and that as a Minnesota person that's it's just it's like frustrating like why are you here if you if you so much about your home state you left it but you're going to keep your allegiance to your sports teams because they win and that's that's kind of the frustrating part like my college roommates at the university of minnesota were badger fans like this is you're, you're going to this school like how are you a badger fan that makes no sense to me but even though that they were coming here and coming to this school they retain their allegiance to their home state um, you know, then the Packer Viking thing is obviously that's just sports stuff. But I think there's so, there are some political differences too between the state and the people in Wisconsin. And uh, you know, a lot of times you meet people, and and uh, those differences are pretty obvious right away. Oh wow, okay, yeah. Well, so I do remember not to generalize. No, it's fine because I this is the thing I had to learn culturally, just like the all the, the like duck duck gray duck, just having to learn that weird thing. Um. Like oh that's what that's what you guys got taught oh man that's weird um I like it was when you of, first had a hot dish that sort of thing sort of I I just, I just remember like hearing like wait so when you play the game you wouldn't call it duck duck goose you'd call it duck duck gray duck no Why? that's, that's, that's gray duck that's what that's it's so bizarre it's so weird it just doesn't make sense to me but no I was at a bar and I I, I said you know when I lived in Iowa I kind of had this conception of Minnesota and Wisconsin being like the the same place just a bunch of Cheese curd loving, beer drinking, oafs, uh, you know, Scandinavian, you know, Midwestern. You've never been to Minneapolis, then I assume. Well, this is when I just started living there. Yeah. Um, but boy, this pissed off the Minnesotans that were around me. Uh, they were like, "No, Wisconsin is the is trash. Maybe Wisconsin is trash version of Minnesota. Maybe." Uh, and they they pointed out the like, oh, Duluth versus. Uh, was it Superior, Wisconsin? Is just on the yeah. other side of the river. Yep. Um, like, just go, just go from Duluth to Superior. You'll get it. Like, just, just go, just cross through. You'll or make go sense. Go to Hudson. Spend some time in Hudson. I mean, I've been to Hudson a few times. I did the Apple River, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, it was it was a small town. I don't know. I, is is it better than small town Minnesota? I, I haven't been to too many Minnesota small towns. I don't know if they're all some magical place, but. Anyway, but I, I learned to not make that mistake. Like, oh man, and the sports hatred is deep because I also remember I was driving a bus while waiting to get my, you know, law school or uh, bar results back for for some money. And I was on a break and I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and this is very vivid to me. This was the year I think it was it would have been 2011, I think maybe 2012. I guess it would have been 2012. Um, Vikings had lost their game, and there were a bunch of Vikings fans who had been to Buffalo Wild Wings, watched the Vikings lose, 
And then shortly after that, um, the Packers, who were almost like the Packers were like going on, were going to go undefeated. They were unbeaten at the time. They were playing a really bad Chiefs team. And all, no, none of the Vikings fans left after the game. They all stayed and cheered for the Chiefs to end the Packers' perfect season. Yeah. Like nobody left. It was like, why is nobody? And they were cheering. They were ruckus. They they were rowdy and and just full of delight. It was like that. That's true rivalry. Just absolute desire to watch your rivals deprive them of any joy you possibly can. Look for any kind of petty. Petty joys, like man, that's that's ridiculous. That was where I was like, well, man. Okay. But here's the thing. So, since 2004, how many times do you think Minnesota's beat Wisconsin? Once. One goddamn time. I mean, that's that's how it's been. I mean, it's just domination. We talk about Iowa uh, taking over. Like this is that's even worse. That's true. I mean, Wisconsin's been it's the cream crazy. of the Big Ten West crop for for a decade and a half, basically. So that's uh, yeah. why P, that's why PJ honestly I, I would put money on that's why the main reason he got an extension because he was the one guy to beat them since 2004, which is why he's got to beat him again. If he consistently beats Wisconsin and Minnesota goes to bowl games, he will never be fired. lifetime. He'll yeah lifetime. Do, lifetime they will just job. keep extending him. He'll get paid tons of money. Like hey, and that and that was the old that was a lot of the Hayden Fry thing. Like they Iowa consistently would go to bowl games and beat Iowa State. Um, you know, and a bad Wisconsin team in the 80s and 90s, and that was folks loved it because you just beat the beat the rivals and anybody you'd see regularly. And yeah, you wouldn't beat the big dogs very often, but that was plenty. Um, but all right, so I, you I know, mean, it I sucks know. though. You beat if you beat Illinois, you know, then there's obviously the tiebreakers are a little different here, but um, you know, I mean, you still got to win this game either way. That's true. But. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't change the importance of the game. No, it's yeah. true. Sorry, so Minnesota's seven-point underdog hosting Wisconsin. The latest kickoff of the day, battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, which is also a really cool rivalry trophy. I mean, I, yeah, whatever. It's the, one of the best. I mean, I just ranted about this stupid broken chair. The, the axe is one of the best. No, it's great. It's legitimately cool. And whatever, I mean, it's mostly been Wisconsin, but when you see them gun over and grab it and hold it, you're like, man, that looks really cool to hold. Like, yeah, I would want to win that. That, yeah. that would be fun You were to talking win. about when we were going through the history of the Gopher Iowa rivalry that that kicker the english kicker he, in 2003 with the last the other the only other time they won they won in the that time span he, he kicked the field goal to win the game and then ran over and jumped over like all the benches and grabbed the axe and started chopping at it, it was cool yeah it's fun just look at that like man yeah that'd be fun to hoist that around so all right i want the gophers to win skyuma row the boat get it done Prove to your friends, Eric, that your Gophers are worth a damn. I definitely, I definitely feel pretty good about the Gophers covering. Do you think they can win it outright? You were very bullish on it last week, and now you've gone back to a bear market in terms of predicting your Gophers can win. You know what? Gophers win, baby. Roll the ball. Gophers win. Go. Take the axe. I'm predicting a Gopher victory. Hey, I hope so. I mean, look, it's like make Graham Mertz beat I'm you. I'm predicting a big victory. Make Graham yeah. Mertz. He's going to throw a bunch of picks. Uh, uh, we're going to shut down that Allen guy who's just a monster out there. Oh, seriously, I mean, uh, who cares? Like, get, get keep that box stacked. Morgan's going to sling arrows out there on Saturday. Gopher win. I'm, I'm, just, you're just hearing it here. Just slop it out. Just slop Otter it out. Otter Rosedale picks Gopher victory. 
I like the Gophers to cover. I'm anxious about them winning. I just don't want to hope. Um, I'm definitely picking Iowa. I, I, I would have picked Iowa anyway because I just can't stomach picking Nebraska. That's just too vomit-inducing bad. But now they got to back. I think Iowa wins, and then the Gophers are free. They play free. The, you know, their season's over. They're not going to be the Big Ten champs, but they're just going to go out there and play free. Yeah, lay it all on the line. Just get yeah. the win. What does it matter? Right. The stakes are low. This is just you don't need to play tight. Just beat your rivals and maybe knock them out of the out of the chance. I mean, that then it'll mean even that much more to yeah, go for yeah. Deny Badgers them play, the chance of yeah. Being Badgers big. play tight. Burtz is behind a score or yep. two, and then I like it. I like it. And oh oh oh, that ball goes to someone else. Oh, that was a maroon and gold guy. Shoot, he's returning it the other way. Uh, I mean that's. I'm really hoping that I get to just sit sit back and relax and just watch a go for victory on Saturday after Iowa locks up. Because I, I said earlier in the in the season that I thought ten and two would get Iowa the the Big Ten West division, but it might not. But I, I hope so. I hope your Gophers can do it. Do you have a movie predict or a movie recommendation for? I've got yeah, I've got two. So I, I've got a so I've got two. So. Um, well, one for each. So we'll start with Iowa, Nebraska's first game. Have you ever heard of the Magnificent Ambersons, Eric? I have heard of it. Uh, I've never seen it. Um, is that Jeff Daniels is in that, right? No. no? Well, there, there could have been a remake, but no, 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 that's not what I'm referring to. So Orson Welles' first movie is Citizen Kane. Oh, right, right, right. Everybody heard of it. His second movie. So he, Orson Welles famously got Final Cut for two movies by having never directed, and Final Cut is a big deal. It means you get to take your edit and give it to the movie studios, and they're not allowed to make any changes. It's a big deal. It's hard to get. Usually directors that make a lot of money and make a lot of movies, it, t- it, took, it probably took Steven Spielberg a while to get Final Cut. Um, and you just very few directors get it because movie studios don't want to give up control, and they want to make sure they know what they're selling and it's going to make money. He got it without having ever directed a movie, and he made Citizen Kane, obviously considered one of the best movies ever, but not a movie that really made bank. It wasn't like some big mega hit. His second movie was The Magnificent Ambersons. And it's a great movie in its own right. Uh, but the problem is, despite having Final Cut, the movie studios massacred his film. Uh, they they gave it a much more positive ending. And they took out Orson Welles' very cynical edit. It's immaculately shot the parts that are in it that, that he filmed. Uh, it's great. But the, here, here's, here's why I picked it, right? So the plot is... I, I don't know where the town is. I don't, I don't know if it's in the Midwest somewhere. I don't know if it's like maybe it's Indiana. I don't know. But there's this really rich local family, like early 20th century, called the Ambersons. Uh, they're very, very rich, wealthy, affluent, and they're they're the the rich family in this smallish town. Um, after some stuff happens, the the family has one boy named George, who's very, very spoiled rotten, and he's told how special he is, and he's this heir to this special family. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, there's a, another family that's not so well-to-do, but the guy invests in cars and building cars and figures out how to make cars, and he starts getting wealthy. And, and like a big bunch of time passes, so you get to see George be, be like a young adult, and he's this twerp, this horrible, rich twat who will say stuff like, He's, he's on there with a horse in the snow. He sees an automobile get stuck in the snow, and he'll say something like, get a horse, you know. Cars are a fad. This is nonsense. This is ludicrous. And, his, you know, that kind of stuff. On, uh, not seeing what's coming. Believing yep. in his own superior. It's like the uh, Nebraska ADs. <laughs> Correct. 
<laughs> Correct. Believing things were going to stay the way they were and refuses to let his mom, who doesn't want to upset her son, date this guy who really likes her, the guy who got rich investing in automobiles and, and manufacturing them, and it's now all of a sudden new money. Um, and he doesn't let his mom date this guy, and she dies, and he's still a twerp and a twat, and nobody likes him, and, and he's awful. Um, and the whole the whole theme of this movie is that everybody's waiting for George to get his comeuppance. And I feel like I'm, I've been getting to watch Nebraska get their comeuppance. Their hubris, their unwillingness to accept reality, because by the end, the Amberson's home is like decaying. Highways go elsewhere, roads go elsewhere. They're outside of town. They're not close. And anyway, it's a great movie. It's an old movie, though, Eric. So you might hate it. No, uh, it came out like 1942. I, I just saw A Touch of Evil not too long ago. His last movie that he directed, and uh, that's phenomenal. Oh my god, you actually watched Touch of Evil. I tried yeah. to convince you to do a podcast with me on that movie years ago, and you were like, I don't know. Uh. Yeah, the opening dolly shot is in and of itself. Amazing. Like the amazing. car accident, like, yeah. Even if no other parts of the movie were any good, that would be worth it. But the, the rest of the movie is great also. And you get like a morbidly obese Orson Welles playing a yeah, cop. he's so awful in that movie. He's just terrible. Yeah, but the, that, only, the only problem that Charlton Heston playing yeah, like a Mexican, Mexican guy. Yes, yeah. that's, that's a big problem, yes. It's unfortunately it's the it's the huge nasty wart on the face of an otherwise immaculate movie. Yeah. Um, yeah no, All right, cool. That's a good recommendation. So, so yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I, my recommendation is the movie Nebraska. I don't know if you remember it. It was uh, came out oh, I love ten that years movie. ago. Of yeah, it's a good I movie. It. Um, Alexander and, and, Payne. It's great. Yep, yep. So uh, <laughs> the reason I wanted to recommend it so it's about like a, a sort of alcoholic older man who thinks he won this, like, million-dollar sweepstakes, and so he wants to go from Montana to Nebraska to claim the prize. And uh, it's not clear in the movie if he's, like, senile or not or if it's in his head and his son goes along with him and, um, you know, there's conflict along the way. But I kind of – because I, I want Iowa to lose, I kind of think Iowa is – they're traveling from Iowa to Nebraska to claim their prize, and um, it ends up – not being uh not being anything so that's kind of why i thought i'd recommend that it's a great oh, movie too it's fantastic oh there's so many good parts gene squibb is incredible in it and i'm just gonna because you've got me excited i'm gonna talk about what one of my favorite scenes it's, it's not like super potion, important or emotional moment but it like it, it resonated well they're going from billings montana to to some city in nebraska i don't remember what the city is and it's some fake sweepstakes where like they promise you that you've won, but it's just a scam. I, I, I mean, it's clear that it's fake to everybody, but this, like, old guy. Um, and, like, he's seeing, they see some cousins, so, like, Will Forte and, and Bob Odenkirk, like, they, they're driving, and they, they visit some cousins, and, like, it took you how long to drive from Billings? And it's, these guys just laugh so hysterically about how long it took them to drive and how they could get there in a much better time. And it's definitely a thing I have relatives who would absolutely, like, oh, comment. Yeah. Like, that's how long it took you to, to make that. Like, that that would be their takeaway. They have nothing else to say, but just they'd be so much proud, so proud that they could beat you in this bizarre, like, I could get there more efficiently than you. It's just, anyway, I, that that's one of those scenes that just resonated with me just on a deep level. But it's all, all around a great movie. So, man, I've not thought about the movie in a while, Eric, but, no, I love the movie Nebraska. Not the state and yeah. not the football team, but the movie. <laughs> right, yes. right. The best thing associated with that name in the history of the universe. Um, <laughs> Uh, do you have a recommendation for uh, the Minnesota-Wisconsin game? PJ's of course, of course. Well, I have to believe, and I, I've toyed. I wanted to say Miracle just because Minnesota 
I gotta believe that Gopher's gonna do it, but I'm gonna go something more schmaltzy and personal to me. Uh, certainly a worse movie, Eric. I don't care. It's it's not a better movie, but I'm going with Angels in the Outfield because oh, I'm believing. I believe, Eric. Angels in the Outfield. They're gonna happen. Uh, little corn angels are gonna come over and help will your Gophers to victory. They're gonna make Wisconsin bumble about. They're gonna fumble. They're gonna miss blocking assignments because angels are gonna push them out of the way. I'm gonna be just watching the game. Flapping my angel wings like I did in the theater in 1993. I believe, Eric. I believe in your Gophers. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to recommend the movie Tommy Boy. Uh, It doesn't totally take place in Wisconsin. I think he goes to college in like, is it like Madison or uh, Marquette or something like that? But and then he works in Ohio. But then they go on this like road trip to sell their auto parts throughout. Parts of it are in Wisconsin for sure, um, but the scene, the reason why I recommend it is the scene where they're at like a gas station, and uh, Richard, who is played by David Spade, he's like, "I'm gonna ask for directions to our next huge embarrassing failure," and then Tom's like, "You're a huge embarrassing failure." Um, so that's kind of what I felt like with this game: is this gonna be the next huge embarrassing failure for the Gophers? That's what, that's why it resonated with me. I mean, there's like a million lines to quote in that movie. Fat guy in a little coat, you know, it's a great movie. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely great. Um, no, I think it's gonna be like the ending, Eric. He's gonna not screw up. I know he tries to do the butcher, stick your head up the ass of a of a cow to check the meat, but why not take the butcher's word for it? It's gonna yeah, be like you the take a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a butch a cow's ass. Wait, no, it's your bull. <laughs> you have derailed. Right. Instead of, instead of screwing up, that's going to be the speech at the end where he gets it correct. And he gets Dan Aykroyd to sign over and sign up for a million brake pads to save the company, save P.J. Fleck's job, restore hope in the great state of Minnesota and their beloved leader, P.J. Fleck. It does have a happy ending. So, All right. How about beer? What do you got for beer? Uh, so uh, you've read, I think you have had it because I think you've had it with me, the Central Waters Brewing in Wisconsin. Uh, they have that Oktoberfest. I think it was one of those when we were drinking all those Oktoberfest beers. That's a good one. You can get a bunch of their beers here in the Twin Cities. Um, I think they have beers comparable to, uh, what's the brewery that, brewery that does Spotted Cow? Um, New Glarus. Yeah, New Glarus. I think they have a few. There's like a porter that you can get, like a bourbon porter of theirs that are, is available here. It's pretty good beer. So, Wisconsin beer, I know, I hate to recommend the Wisconsin beer, but that one's pretty good. All right, well, so I'm going back to Boulevard again because I was actually, you know, it's fine, I was just at hy today getting some things amongst it beer um, to put in a base for the turkey I'm cooking on Thursday. And uh, one of my favorite beers, um, I was just reminded, I'd forgotten about it, hadn't had it in a long time, and it's one of my wife's favorite beers, is uh, Buller Wheat's Tank 7 which is just this incredible beer. And I don't know how to describe it, but it's awesome. Is that in a big bottle? Or it's, just a little it bottle? Comes in a, it, they're in small-ish. It's not like a tall, it's not like one big bottle. It's like you get it in a four-pack. Usually it's expensive. It's not yep. something I get all the time, but it's every once in a while I want to treat my wife and myself to a beer. They both know we're going to like it. Go with the Tank 7. So that's my recommendation. I know I'm stuck with Boulevard again, but I was like, man, I'm just going to talk about this beer because I love it. So, all right. Yeah, that's, yep, I have seen that. Before. I think I've had that before. Yeah, that's a good one. So, 
All right, so here we go. Some some sweet football action starting in four days. Somehow we've reached the end of this season. Last football Saturday. A lot remains to be decided. Go Hawks. Sky Ma. Let's get it done. Roll the boat. Bye-bye.